going on, Packers fans? Aaron Nagler here, Cheesehead TV, joined as always on Carry the G and MKE by Camille Davis after, as always, another Packers loss. At least that's what it feels like, Camille. Feels like we get nothing but L's lately. You know, yeah, there's nothing you can really say about that. Like it's uh it's it's been uh you know, we oh. had the big week one. Oh right. big week one. You oh, you're know. very popular. You're very popular. So- <laughs> people trying to get a hold of you. People want to talk to you. Right. We had the big probably to complain about the Packers. We probably. had the big week one win and knew it was gonna be a developmental year, knew that. Mm. But oh my goodness, like it's still very frustrating. Uh, to go through it, especially when it's lined up, keyed up with a team like the Denver Broncos, who, you know, they were supposed to be the Packers get right game, and instead the mm. Packers got got. Got, and... got in the worst way possible. Oh. Hey, wait, and before we go on, let's let's start. I shouldn't have started that way. I sh- I'll start with the happy news that, hey, congratulations on your new uh, gig with Lockdown Bucks. Full-time host, what's going on? Yeah, uh, Kane is hanging up his hosting duties for Locked on Bucks, and me and Justin Garcia are picking up that mantle when we start next week. That is so awesome. And look, the, the Bucks, like, you know, primed to win a championship, hopefully, go on a run at least, you know. At least you'll have that to look at and watch and talk about and kind of marinate in while the Packers are doing whatever the hell it is the Packers are doing. Time is funny because it was for some time period as a Bucks fan where I said, well, at least I got my Packers. You right. know, they keep me up. <laughs> right, right. See, they're just they're trying to balance. They're trying to keep right, you honest, right. as it were. I mean, okay, when it comes to the Packers, I understand that this is a developmental year. The reason they constructed the roster the way they did, hamstrung by the salary cap situation, post Rogers, all of this. I get all of it. And I knew, like you say, knew it was going to be tough, right? There were going to be frustrating moments. Hell, I spent the whole summer talking about it on Packers Daily, about there are going to be stretches where it is really frustrating, but it's about development, right? Mm -hmm. But man, you know, the stretches, I didn't anticipate quite happening as lengthy, being as lengthy as like this one apparently is, you know, especially when you have a bye week. First, you have a mini bye, and then you have a full bye. And neither time does it apparently afford you the opportunity to make significant changes, at least enough to, you know, come out with a W. So at this point, I'm just asking, what are we doing here? Like, it's very apparent that Matt LaFleur and his staff want to approach the game a certain way. And I'm not sure they have the players to do it. And I'm just wondering, how long does it take until they change their approach? It's a great question, because when you take a look at the reasons why we thought this season might be frustrating and have the ups and downs, it was looking at the youth of the offense. And to your point about how the team was constructed, it was okay, but we have vets along the offensive line who can help carry. We have, you know, Aaron Jones in the backfield who can help carry. Now, the wide receiver room, we already knew what that was going to look like. And you see the evidence of a young room with some of the things that you see on the field, like uh, Watson and Reed being in the exact same place on, you know, a third down where you're like, why are you both running the same route? But (laughs) I think the part for me, at least, that's the most frustrating about it is that I didn't expect part of the problem being that it appears that the coaching staff isn't putting the team in positions uh, where they can succeed, where the play calling is questionable, where you're sitting here like, okay, I don't understand exactly why this is the call that's drawn up on third and 20. Like this is two down territory here. Like you don't have to get it all here on this third down. Like we can scheme it up to think we have two downs to get to where we need to get to. And that's the part of it that is just so frustrating because, again, 
this offense. Denver's defense has been trash all year. Like entering the league, entering the game, last 32nd in the league type of trash. Last in points allowed. Yards per rushing attempt. Passing attempt. Trash, trash, trash. Just <laughs> lost Randy Gregory and Frank Clark, and we're coming off a bye. And yet and still, we mm. were not able to scheme anything up to make things easier on Jordan Love and this offense. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and I don't want to, like, it's so precarious at the moment around the Packers because every single play is magnified because of all their problems early in these games. Especially, I mean, yet again, in Denver, can't you know, move the ball, can't get ahead of the sticks, You're consistently shooting yourself in the foot. And I do sympathize with Matt and the coaching staff to a point where you go back and you watch, and I d- which I did this morning. And, like, for me, it's all about the offensive line. You, you mentioned, yeah, the offseason thought was we have veterans along the line and we're going to be able to at least operate on offense the way we want to. Well, it's clear they can't. It's very clear they can't, given how that line is constructed, which they seem loath to change. Now, they almost had were forced to change it mid-game because of the injury to Myers, but then he comes back in. But as long as this line is out there and they're in, like insisting on keeping these five guys out there, they have I, I think that that's, that's hamstringing them more than anything. Like Because I've said it a million times, the offensive line is your engine on offense. And you're, you're not going to go very far with a busted engine. And right now, they can't, they can't hang their hat on anything up front. And if you're a player and you're in there in the huddle and they're calling these plays, you got to be thinking, well, you know, I guess it's a flip of a coin. If the, you know, if the line's going to hold up and do its job because these skill position players, they've got talent. There's tons of upside there. Yeah. There's going to be growing pains. Like you mentioned, look, running the route in the same spot on a third down, but you see the talent there. They can make plays, but I just, with the offensive line, I don't see how that's going to be possible. The game is one in the trenches, and that, again, was part of the reason why I had some optimism around the team. And I know that, you know, football next man up mentality. We know at this point that injuries aren't a bug. It's a feature of the sport. Football is an inherently dangerous sport. Injuries are going to happen. And one thing that I was so, you know, I should say comfortable, but it was like the Packers invest in offensive linemen. Like that is an area where the Packers invest. We have guys on our bench that would be starting somewhere else. And then you see the configuration of the guys on the line. And you're like, are we even putting our best five out there right now with the injury to Bach? Like, are we utilizing them the best way possible? And are we utilizing them to the skills that they actually have? Are we going to try to force players who might not fit in the particular scheme to continue try to be better in the scheme we know they're not successful in? Or are we going to try to scheme a little bit differently around the talents that this current offensive line actually has? I mean, it's a great point about investment, right? And about, I think the Packers have done a good job of drafting and developing these linemen to a point, right? But it feels a little bit like, cutting off their nose despite their face when they insist on keeping Rasheed Walker out there at left tackle, who's a former seventh rounder, played four special team snaps last year, right? And then he comes in, now he's claimed the left tackle job after Bakhtiari goes down. And I'm not quite sure how he's going to be kept out there when you literally paid Yash Nyman $4 million this offseason, put the second round tender on him, paid the man. And then I understand there was camp and there was a battle and Walker quote unquote won it. That's fine. But now we're, what, six games into this experiment and it's clearly not it. But they're going to keep, but that's my point. If you're going to keep running him out there, man, you got to change your approach on offense. 
Like, I don't understand. It feels like a recipe for disaster. And, I mean, some would argue we're probably in disaster right now. <laughs> but I just, yeah, that the, the off, to me, it's all about the offensive line. And I know, I know, like, no one cares outside the building, right? Like, it's a results-based business. But, man, you're, you're the coaching staff. It's your job to put these guys in position, like you said, to succeed. And you do wonder if that's being done on the regular. But if you are Matt LaFleur and you are the coach, what do they do well? That's the other thing. It's like what if you're looking at things and going, well, that's what we can hang our hat on. Well, your, your offers, what you have on tape is few and far between to look at and say, yeah, that, that's it. I mean, is there anything they succeed at with regularity in your, in your mind? Like the Packers can go, yeah, we, we should try and lean into that. I mean, that's the question. You know, when you're looking at it, like, what can we really be good at? And just looking at this past game um, against the Broncos, the run game came alive a little bit where it's like, okay, we're averaging almost five yards a carry. Jordan Love, when he saw space, he took the opportunity to take that space. And that's something I think that's also important outside of Jones, outside of Dylan. If Love sees the room and opportunity, to make something happen with his legs, I think he should utilize that as well. Like, let's not try to just say, like, I'm a pocket passer and I'm going to stay here. Like, use mm-hmm. what you have. Like, use that God-given ability and then slide. And let's continue on with this possession. But, like, that's what I assume the team would be built around is the run game. And it was so much, you know, around A.J. Dillon to start the season after the last season that he had. And the last two games, he has looked good. It looked so much better, yes. Like, and I think, and to cre- and credit to the coaching staff because I do think, you know, you heard Matt after I think the Atlanta game where he said we have to look at how we're utilizing him and what we're asking him to do. And I think mm-hmm. you look at these last two games, like you said, he has improved. I think how they're using him is different. Like how much eye formation did you see yesterday? I mean, there were so many play. I mean, that's an old school football formation where what is AJ right? He's a downhill runner. You want to get him behind the between the tackles attacking downhill and that's what they've asked him to do these last two weeks and to your point he's really come alive like it no he's not ripping off huge runs although he had a number of like really Mm -hmm. nice ones yesterday but that's at least you know something again that you can maybe hang your hat on I don't think we want to become three yards in a cloud of dust but at least you know you can do it like you've seen the receipts you've seen the film like that's something where the coaching staff I think has done a decent job of saying all right, what are we asking AJ to do? We shouldn't be running the zone stuff. Let's get right. downhill. Let's get between the tackles. But yeah, it's uh, you know, and the run game is gonna help your quarterback. Like every that, time that that is just football one on one. Now that said, you bringing up the quarterback, Jordan Love, man, it's I'm not gonna say fascinating, but it is interesting to watch you know, Twitter burn to the ground after every game <laughs> and how. Everybody wants to make a declaration about Jordan Love after each and every game. And I get there are a lot of tough-looking plays out there. And there's a lot of like questionable decision-making on Jordan's part. And there are certainly misfires. And I don't take any of that away. However, he's not the problem. Like, he's a young quarterback, learning on the job as a starter, playing around, like, basically getting fire drill each and every pass play. And, yeah, he's got to improve, and that's what playing will do for him. But, man, he is not the problem, and it is killing me to see people just tank for Caleb Williams, like got to find a new quarterback, start Clifford. My God. <laughs> it's just like that is to, that's mind-numbing to me, like that stuff. Yeah, and I think it's in part because quarterback's the easiest position to take a look at 
and and point at because I mean when things go good the quarterback gets all the credit when things go bad they're going to get a lot of the blame that's just the nature of the position and for a franchise that's coming off of the heels of Aaron Rodgers and watching stellar quarterback play a guy who could take guys who might not have even been you know top options on other teams and make them look like they are productive wide receivers I mean he had Fans calling for Jeff Janis to start yes. over like everybody else. I mean, that's how good Aaron Rodgers was. That's the talent. That's the talent. And it's unfair to place those expectations onto Jordan Love. And the thing with them is, like, this team keeps being in positions to win the game. Outside of the Lions game where they just got smoked from the beginning. Yep. Yep. Every other game, they've been in a position to win the game, but they just keep failing the test at the moment. Now, we're not even halfway through this season, technically, at right. this point. There's so a lot true. of football still left to be played. If we're still having these conversations about Jordan Love and the decision-making, you know, in week 16, week 17, then it's like, okay. Then it's this- a different conversation. Exactly. exactly. Could not but agree But now, <laughs> we're just taking it as, you know, we're trying to look at what we're seeing on the field and trying to figure out where all the different problems are and saying, okay, well, what can we do to put Jordan Love in the best position to succeed? And I think that there is still a good quarterback in there. Like we've seen the flashes of it. It's like, can he put it together consistently and can the the play calling be good? Can he make the right decisions? Can the line hold up? It's so many other factors that go into it. Um, And we just got to keep going. Like this is a developmental year and Jordan is going to need every single one of those games to try to see if he can actually pass the test. Exactly. And, to that point, I mean, Matt took the blame for that final play, right. the play call. And I'm, you know, I understand that's kind of Matt's MO, right? So how he's basically operated his entire time in Green Bay. He's always up there and he takes the slings and arrows, says it starts with me, which is true. But man, Jordan Love, you you got to know where you're at situationally. To your point, it's two down territory, mm-hmm. you know, and I get, man, you're in the flow of the game and your coach calls this like basically – this play that's specifically designed to beat the type of coverage you're fi- you're seeing downfield, and you're thinking, okay, here I'm going to go make a play. But man, AJ Dillon's right there. Just like dump it off and get to fourth down. Like I I, I get it. I get the desire to make a play. Right. It's just you got you, you got to be smarter with the football. The ball is life. You yeah. know. And again, having these conversations week seven, I don't mind it. Like you're having this conversation week seventeen after many you know kind of trials and tribulations then then it's another conversation for the offseason but overall I think what the other part the other aspect of it is there's plenty other stuff to talk about from Jordan Love's game like prior to being in that situation like so much gets kind of focused on the final interception that play what have you and I'm like okay need a better play there but man there's plenty of stuff before that play you know whether it's you know decision making throws things that he did uh not sliding in on certain runs like there's all sorts of other stuff that you can look at and go okay this all also needs to be looked at and improved and he needs to develop from this and learn from this but i know final final plays always get you know in a in a one score game are always going to be magnified um and you know for good reason those those can win a game or lose it which this one certainly did now the packers have played one game in like 20 hundred days or something like that, like a very long time. And they've played now twice on the road uh, coming after that debacle against Detroit. They're going to be back at Lambeau. And I understand like no one, most likely no one gives the Packers much chance to win most of these games coming up. The Vikings aren't a great team. 
but you know they, they are a division foe. Uh, they have a quarterback who's thrown all over them in the past. Does Lambeau make any difference at this point? I mean, I understand that the the team got kind of <laughs> shellacked by the last time they were there against Detroit, but I do wonder if being back at home will help this team in any way. I think it'll help in the sense that it's always nice to have more people cheering for you than against you. When it comes, although it to, looked like they got close to that on Denver, they did. Like that's one thing I was going to say. Like Packer fans travel well, which is why I don't tend like it's. It was weird seeing Lions fans take over Lambo, but like right. I'm used to you know seeing fan bases do that. Um, but if it if it's on like just the Lambo mystique aspect of playing at home, oh yeah, no. I'm one of those Packer fans who said that the mystique of Lambo was ran out the yeah. moment that Mike Vick ran all over us Correct. Like, years yes. ago. Yes. Like that's gone in my opinion, but being at home, being comfortable, being in the routine of, you know, I get to be with my family, go to the field. I always think that type, those types of things do help. Um, and they're coming up on a stretch. Like you mentioned, they had a mini buy before the Raiders and they had their bye week before the Broncos. And now, they come up on the stretch where it's, I believe, six games in 32 days. Right. So you had time, you know, over these mini buy and the buy to try to figure out what, you know, what's going to work and try to change things. Not sure exactly how much was changed, but now you're going to be thrown into the fire here where it's like you have a lot of games coming up in a very short span of time. This is going to make or break this particular season for this team. So, like, take it a game at a time for sure. You worry about, you know, the Vikings at home on Sunday. But it, it's really time to be time to go, and it's a team like I mentioned. Injury struck again during that Broncos oh, game. Like, how how is this team going to be able to hold up when it comes to like their bodies with this many games this quickly? With all the different things that you're looking with scheme with play calling, where you're like, I'm not even exactly sure what this team does well. What sh- what should they be doing? So, uh, the Vikings are a team where last year I'm like, man. They're winning some fluky games. They are right. winning a lot of close games. And I expected this season to be some regression from that. They won so many one-score games last year that this year it's probably going to regress in the way. And now the Packers are in this situation where they're, again, they can't pass that test of these very close games. Close it out, close it out, close it out. Your defense is holding these offenses to less than 20 points for the most part. Like, these are games that you think should be winnable. And I think that the Vikings, again, is another game that is winnable for the Green Bay Packers. It's just Absolutely. going to come down. Can they execute? Yeah, and it's frustrating because, like, you think, okay, get back home, face the Vikings without Justin Jefferson. But yeah. the history of the Green Bay Packers is littered with games where, oh, their star player is out. We should win. And then they, like, the opponent just shows up and wipes the floor with the Packers and I'm not saying that's going to happen with the Vikings I do think being at home should help a little bit but man that that crowd will turn quick if they uh look like they've looked in the first half of these last three games because man I understand that you know young team developing injury issues etc but man people pay their tickets and they come to the game they want to see at least some production at Mm -hmm. least some consist a little bit of consistency and I'm t- I mean, we've heard Lambo boo already this year, and if we get a performance like we've seen out of the offense the last couple games, it could get ugly real quick at Lambo on Sunday, and that's my worry. That's it like, could. like at least when you're on the road, like oh they're booing. Well, yeah, they're booing because I'm on the, I'm an away opponent. Like they're right. supposed to boo me, but man, at home you those boos rain rain down, and I don't know. Like I said, it it, it could get ugly, but who knows? Maybe Jordan Love and company come out 
quick fire, put up a ton of points. Defense gets some takeaways, and we finally get a victory. Would love it. I mean, would love it. Would absolutely love to see it because if things continue on the way that they have been going, we are probably going to be getting hard knocks Green Bay. <laughs> That's, I mean, you got to think the NFL is licking their chops. Oh, I mean, they have if, to be. If the Packers don't make the playoffs, they can compel them to appear, and I think they absolutely will. And Immediately. Matt LaFleur and company will hate it, but hey, you got no one to blame but yourself. <laughs> you got to win games to stay off it. Oh, well, okay. We're not going to think about that. We're going to concentrate on the Vikings. Hopefully the Packers can go 1-0 this week, something they haven't done in many, many weeks. Uh, Camille, really appreciate the time. You're the absolute best. Where can people find you on this here internet? Uh, Pub yourself. Let them know. For sure. Every Tuesday we record Technical File, T-E-C-K-N-I-C-A-L. That podcast, you can find it on our Technical File podcast page, live on YouTube every Tuesday. As mentioned, taking over the hosting duties for Locked on Bucks uh, starting next week. So my first show will be a pregame show with Frank. So make sure that you guys are tuning in to Locked on Bucks wherever you subscribe to podcasts as well as that YouTube page. Awesome. Just outstanding. Killing it. Just taking over. Camille Davis, (laughs) appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Go Pack Go.